Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Thursday. Thursday, September the 28th. And on our show today, because it is Thursday, that means our sports guy, the Indianapolis recorder, Danny Bridges, uh, is going to be with us. Also, as National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month winds down, um, October is just around the corner. Uh, we'll have another conversation, though. Uh, this one today about an often overlooked population. Uh, Danny Bridges and our continuing conversation about suicide prevention and awareness, both coming up uh, in our second hour. Shortly this hour, just very shortly, uh, the Reverend Dr. Theron Williams is back with us. Uh, he, of course, is the senior pastor of the Mount Carmel Church, where in the... Uh, Excuse me. Da da da. I don't know what that is. A little alarm. Anyway, he's a senior pastor of Mount Carmel Church here in the city. Uh, he's also internationally known uh, for his extensive research into the history and significance of African Americans in the Bible. Uh, we now know he has another new book about to be released uh, and a big event he's going to tell us about uh, coming up uh, in a matter of days as well. Again, uh, Reverend Dr. Theron Williams uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. But first, the lines are open. Uh, for just a bit, just a bit, to share what may be on your mind, 317-239-1310. Again, 317-239-1310. Uh, today we'll start at the nation's capital and work our way back home. And in the nation's capital, um, a government shutdown, just getting closer by the minute, now literally just a couple of days away, uh, meaning um, millions of Americans could be adversely affected, uh, you know, uh, from the military to children to families in need of food. They could be affected and could also be even harmed. Uh, but right now, there doesn't appear to be um, any news of any progress on keeping that from happening, um, especially um, among Republicans who simply do not want to deal with it. They just as soon, uh, according to them, just as soon shut it down. I don't know why, but they want to. Um, as the clock continues to move toward a shutdown, though, those same House Republicans are spending their time today holding an impeachment inquiry hearing. Uh, they've been trying to piece together uh some kind of a connection to President Joe Biden and his son's business dealings, um, and they're trying to make it criminal uh, and say it is criminal and therefore uh, an opportunity to try to uh, impeach uh, Joe Biden if they find out that it, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's, all, it's all white noise to me. I can't quite figure out why they're spending their time doing that, but then again, you can figure it out. Um, also, uh, closer to home, and again, 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. Um, did, did you all hear? This is, this is from um, the folks over at uh, Fox 59 right here. Apparently, uh, and Fox is calling it an exclusive, so only they have it. But, um, you, you know, yesterday we told you about... 
the fact, or was it the day before? I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, that it was the day before. Uh, the girlfriend of uh, of Mr. Mason, uh, of of the uh, the guy who was. Uh, um, uh, uh, mistakenly uh, let go, uh, mistakenly released from the jail, and was later apprehended um, in um, Minnesota. Well, apparently, Fox News is reporting that two inmates, two inmates were mistakenly released from the Marion County Jail in eight days. Okay? Two were mistakenly released from the jail in eight days. So, um, I'll just read a little bit from the report. Um, earlier this month, Marion County Sheriff's Office mistakenly released a man who was connected to a fatal shooting in Minnesota. Um, that is Kevin Mason, 29-year-old Kevin Mason. Um, the, the, and so, but uh, shortly... Uh, before that, it says Toriano Helms, Helms, 41, was originally booked into the jail on November 14th, 2022. Numerous felony charges uh, stem from an incident. Um, let me get to the to the other part. Helms bailed out, was booked back into the jail. Uh, he was charged with something, booked, bailed out, but booked back into the jail less than three months later on an unrelated drug charge. And that's where he stayed until he was sentenced on September 5th to two years in prison for attacking uh, police officers. Um, as part of the agreement, his drug charges were, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, however, the same day he was sentenced, Helms walked out of the Marion County Jail. Okay, this is the other guy in addition to um, the, the, the Kevin Mason uh, who was um, apprehended in, in Minnesota on Wednesday. Um, uh, it says here no one even realized what had happened until the Marion County Community Correct Corrections was alerted. Uh, nearly two weeks later, the agency applied for and was granted a warrant to have him rearrested, writing he was, uh, and it's in quotes, quotations, erroneously released. Um, uh, community Corrections, after a lengthy back and forth with the Sheriff's Department, Community Corrections and Court Administration, uh, Fox was able to get an answer as to how that happened. Um, and apparently, uh, again, this is what Fox is reporting. It begins when a person is booked into jail. The officer then assigns them a gallery number, which stays with the person forever, no matter how many times he or she is arrested. Uh, and then it goes on to explain... Um, uh, any time that a gallery number is generated on any court document, that gallery number is what was sent to the court. So I guess when his drug case was dismissed, he was released under the gallery number assigned to that case. However, he should have been held until he could be sent to uh, DOC to serve his sentence. So um, a lot of paperwork, technicality. Something's going on with the Marion County Sheriff's Department, and I do, uh, you know, applaud Fox for, for, for continuing to look at the records and, and what have you. But um, if you'll recall, the situation with uh, the 29-year-old the uh, Kevin Mason, uh, the suspect from Minneapolis or Minnesota, Minneapolis, I guess, he was arrested in St. Paul, but Twin Cities, but... Uh, it took them six days to alert the public that he was released. And to the best of my knowledge, it doesn't say anywhere in this exclusive report from Fox. But apparently um, there was no um, alert to the public uh, with this particular one that someone had been mistakenly released. So anyway, uh, two inmates mistakenly released from Marion County Jail uh, within an eight-day uh, time frame. You may want to go online and read a little bit more about that. But... Clearly, um, Sheriff uh, Forrestal, who's the head of the Sheriff's Department, and the folks over there have a 
some explaining uh, to do, especially in terms of uh, public safety and uh, their inmate uh, population. So there's that. That was new. Um, also, uh, here at home, um, our news gathering partners at uh, WRTV are reporting at this hour that the convenience store chain slash, I think, gas station chain, Wawa, you all heard about that? Wawa, well, they're planning on setting up shop uh, here in Indianapolis and other parts of the Hoosier State. Now, um, they're... You know, when we talk about uh, questions to go to candidates uh, who are running for mayor, uh, basically Shreve and Hogsett, um, the, the question often comes up again about, yeah, and I guess it's, it's juxtaposition, but the proliferation of these convenience stores in neighborhoods and where they're going to be located and things and how they are uh, being used to substitute as grocery stores, uh, especially in areas where there are uh, large uh, and pronounced uh, food deserts. So um, I just find it interesting that there are more of these uh, planning on setting up shop, but not just in Indianapolis. They're going, um, you know, all over the, the state of Indiana. Uh, anyway, let, let, let's take a quick look at the, uh, the story from uh, RTV. Now with noon and new just released details about a popular East Coast convenience store chain expanding right here in Indiana. It will include the creation of more than 2,000 jobs. Leaders of Wawa and city and state leaders gathered at the NCAA headquarters in downtown Indy to announce plans to open about 60 new stores across the state over the next 8 to 10 years. The first groundbreakings are set for mid-2024 and up to 10 new stores by to open in 2025. So far, Wawa has more than 16 sites under contract across Marion, Johnson, Hendricks, Hancock, Hamilton, Delaware, Madison, Wayne, Clark, and Dearborn counties. Wawa expects to create more than 2,200 new jobs right here in the Hoosier State. What we see here um, is opportunity, but we see hardworking hard folks rooted in values, neighborhood-based. Uh, for us, uh, when we spent some time here, it felt a lot like home, uh, so we like the opportunity, and then we see a market need. We see that need for fresh, delicious, convenient food. Um, people are time-starved, so we try to get the real estate on the best corners that we can and serve quick, immediate needs uh, in a friendly fashion. So uh, Indiana, for us, was just a lot of opportunity. 60 stores is just the beginning. More details to build each store. Wawa will invest about $7 million and employ roughly 140 contractors and local partners. Each store is set to employ about 35 people. And uh, Wawa is coming to town, so we'll probably be talking about that a whole lot more. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our guest, uh, Dr. Theron Williams, the Reverend Dr. Theron Williams, uh, will be with us. We'll be right back. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we are back with Community Connection. Um, as I was saying at the top of the show, we are very happy, very excited, because it's always such a rich robust discussion. One of the discussions, you may have heard part, we were talking in the break, but anyway, the Reverend Dr. Theron Williams um, is back with us, and if you don't know who he is, he is the senior pastor at the Mount Carmel Baptist Church, founder, executive director of the Bible is Black History Institute, the author of more than a dozen books on his well-researched findings that most people in the Bible were black, uh, and the enormous historical and current implications of those findings. Um, 
his soon-to-be-released book, The Bible is Black History and Beyond, um, addresses just that and a whole lot more. Dr. Williams uh, joins us now. Congratulations, uh, Dr. Williams. You're right here in studio. I love that. We don't get too many people here in studio. So Thank you, Tina. Th- no, thank you for coming down and being it, yes. here with us. So congratulations uh, on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was asking you... Um, what you you you, are, you have just been so prolific uh, with the books and putting it down and and the, the history, the research, and and sharing the knowledge. Um, what's what's next? Is is what's after this one? Because it says and beyond. So that to me is kind of like a I, I don't know. Is that a peek ahead? A preview? Well, a- actually, two things. It suggests number one that. I argued in the previous book that the people of the Bible were people of color, mm-hmm. mainly black people. And so we, we, we've we gotten that argument down pat. The next thing is, so what? What does it mean <laughs> today? I mean, what does it mean for the black diaspora today? What does it mean for the black church? How does it influence how we do our theology and how we execute the ministry of the black church? Mm-hmm. You know. How does it uh, affect, impact how I understand myself as a black Christian, Mm. you know, uh, against the backdrop of a religious tradition that started thousands of years ago um, in Palestine, and it was started mainly by black people? How does that impact me as a a black Christian? So Mm. that's beyond. That's, That's the first piece of the beyond. The second piece of the Beyond has to do with the Bible is Black History Online Institute that will launch in January of 2024. Congratulations again. Thank you. (laughs) And that institute has seven classes, and it is, what, 36 weeks. It's four semesters divided up into nine weeks, Mm -hmm. nine-week semesters, and... uh, we can. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken, they're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We take a deep dive into all of this, and so that will launch uh, uh, January 2024. You know, I was I was asking you as as you were you know just just arriving here in the studio, um, if you ever got pushback because you know when I very first heard you know a, a couple of years ago very first heard about this and, and and first talk to you i was i was just fascinated but then i thought i bet you some people aren't fascinated including people you know black people like us mm-hmm. uh the pushback that you get you ever get you ever get 
do you ever get it? I guess is what oh, I'm yeah. asking. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, all the time. From black uh, people. So, yeah, subtle and blatant. You know, because white evangelicalism has uh, has been rooted, you know, in Western Christianity, and when we become Christians by default, mm-hmm. we are we subscribe and embrace white evangelicalism by default. Our language is white evangelicalism. The concept is white evangelicalism. How we understand gospel and salvation, all of that has been influenced by white evangelicalism. So by default, you know, most of us are white evangelicals in our theological uh, makeup. Mm -hmm. But when you start reading the Bible for yourself and trying to understand and trying to reconcile um, those beliefs with our experience as a black people, then it it, it just it just don't jive. You know, mm-hmm. it 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 doesn't parallel, and then you have to deal with those contradictions. And a lot of people feel like if they deal with those contradictions, they are somehow being um, untrue and disloyal to God. But it's not right. your disloyalty to God; it's your disloyalty to somebody's interpretation of God, yeah. which is which differs vastly. Mm-hmm. So, you start thinking differently, and then you start looking at the world differently and understanding the Bible differently. It brings you to a different conclusion. Pushback or acceptance from white evangelicals, because I'm sure a number of them have had an opportunity to, to, to get to know your work, study it, and uh, what the reaction in that, in that area? Oh, I'm a heretic, and I'm on my way to hell in their minds. Okay. okay. Yeah, because I don't believe the Bible in the way they believe it. You know, Robert oh. P. Jones mm-hmm. wrote a book called White Too Long. This is a a white guy. He was a white evangelical. He was brought up in white evangelicalism. But he, too, looked at the history of white evangelicalism as it was not taught in his church, in his seminary, or in his college, or anywhere else. He had to look this up and find it for himself, and he found how atrocious white evangelical had been historically as they directed vitriol and ventum toward black people. And he did an in-depth study on that and said, no, I can't be a part of this. This is wrong, and I need to tell the world about it. So he wrote that book, White Too Long, and he tells about the atrocities perpetrated against people of color in the name of Mm -hmm. Jesus as understood through white evangelicalism. And so you have people like that who appreciate my work. You have people like um, uh, David Gushi, who Mm. wrote about the end of white evangelicalism in America. He would appreciate it. And you have others uh, who understand the problem of white supremacy, like Robin DiAngelo in her book, what was the name of that book? Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility. Mm. And uh, she deals with, you know, how fragile the white psyche is when it comes to white supremacy. And so you have people like that who who understand it, who gets it, who get it, and um, 
So, yeah, but the vast majority of white evangelicalism, of white evangelicals, I don't even I don't even address. You know, Tina, mm-hmm. they didn't listen to Nat Turner. They didn't listen to Martin King. They didn't listen to Henry Highland Garnett, Frederick Douglass. They didn't listen to Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tuckman, Mary MacLeod Bethune. They didn't listen to uh, Jesse Jackson. They're not listening to Al Sharpton, Freddie Haynes. They're not listening to Michael Eric Dyson. Why would they listen to me? Yeah, you know, yeah. So I don't even try to address. Yeah. Um, the so the, the the catalyst for you, I mean, because th- this had was this a result of, of, of a lot of prayer, meditation? You know, what was the catalyst? What was a revelation for you to, to do such a deep dive? Because you're, you're, it's really meticulously researched. It's yeah, beautiful. well, it's it started a long time ago. It This has been with me since I was a teenager. Mm. Yeah, because and that was a long time okay. ago. <laughs> Not that long ago. <laughs> yes, a long time ago. Okay. And so I didn't, um, the, the Bible as I understood it did not jive with my experience as a black teen growing up in the Jeffries Housing Projects in Detroit, Michigan. There seemed to have been a disconnect, but I was afraid to say anything about it because I thought that would have reflected on my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I I, I just, just kept it, but it bothered me. And even through matriculating through undergraduate school, and I went to HBCU, Virginia Union. Uh, It still bothered me. And when I got through with my undergraduate work and looked back on it, you know, there was no James Baldwin. We didn't study Malcolm X writings. We didn't not at the HBCU. Not, there was we, none of this at the HBCU. No, no, no none Toni Morrison. None of that. Wow. I had to, I, I, I met those people after I graduated from HBCU, and then I went to seminary mm-hmm. at HBCU, and we were studying white evangelical theologians. As a matter of fact, the book that we used for homiletics was a book that was written back in the 19th century by a slave-holding Christian preacher. So here I am, here we are, studying a book Mm -hmm. teaching us how to preach written by a man who owned slaves and believed that black people's proper place was in subordination to white people. This is what we were studying at HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And to this day, Tina... What we're talking about now, black presence in the Bible and all of that type of thing, is still not taught in HBCUs. That's why we're launching the online institute so that we can get this stuff hopefully in the mainstream of the black community. Yeah, we definitely uh, definitely need to. If you're just joining us, our guest, uh, Reverend Dr. Theron Williams, uh, on the release of his new book, The Bible is Black History and Beyond. Uh, Dr. Williams, when is this going to be available? Uh, it's out now. It's it came out, now? out early. Yeah, it was supposed to come out uh, December, uh, October the 1st, but okay. it's out now. Yeah, It's out now. Okay, so I have a copy right here. And I am very excited. I love reading, reading all of these. Um, 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. What's the telltale sign that you are, that if you're at a, uh, a predominantly African-American church, which most African-American churches are predominantly black, what's the telltale sign that you are being uh, taught uh, white evangelicalism? That's a great question, Tina. Um, it's so subtle. 
you know, mm. it's difficult to imagine because what we essentially have, you have black churches who think they're being Afrocentric in their approach, but it's really white evangelicalism in blackface. You know, I had a, a publisher to call me trying to sell Afrocentric materials to us. Mm -hmm. And I told him, send me some samples and we'll look over it. He sent the samples and I opened the package. And the first thing I saw were black kids sitting at the feet of a white Jesus. That's the first thing I saw. Okay. And this is supposed to be Afrocentric yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. So it's it had black kids in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's Afrocentric. Huh? It's yeah, it's so subtle. You know, yeah. so it's difficult to tell. But when there is an absence of social expression in your theological construction, in your in your the in the theology of your church. When there is no abrasive criticism of systems of domination and oppression, when that's never, ever mentioned, mm. when the focus is all on personal salvation and personal piety, which are necessary, those two are necessary in the black experience, in the black church— but when it's all personal piety and there is no talk of public protest, that's a telltale sign that your church is inaudated, saturated in white evangelicalism. Because white evangelicals say we have no role in politics. We have no word to speak against social injustices and domination and all that. They contend that's not a part of the gospel. But I, I get those calls from our listeners a lot of times that, that, that preachers need to stick with the Bible. Pre preachers don't need to be out here. And you're saying the absence of basically social expressions of faith um, is white evangelicalism, and yeah. so you know, and a lot of a lot of times, perhaps the calls that that we get about stay away from the streets and stay away from everything else and just stick to the word, that is what you're calling white evangelicalism. Yeah, and, as well. and it's yeah. their interpretation their of the Bible. It's their interpretation yeah. of the word, because when they talk about the Bible and our message, should just be tailored toward mm -hmm. the people in the pew. Mm -hmm and not challenging systems of oppression and domination in the political sphere, they don't understand the nature of the gospel. Ooh. You know, because Jesus Good. dealt with politics. Jesus was killed for political reasons. Uh -huh. You know, Jesus, yeah. when he, he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to uh, the recovery of sight for the blind, um, the, to, to talk about, the, uh, to uh, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. All of that social stuff. That's social. You know, I mean, so. What? Well, I mean, yeah. What are they? That's white evangelical interpretation. There you go. Dr. Williams, you always light it up when you come in here. I mean, this is full. Uh, I have so many questions, but we also uh, want to invite our listeners in to, to have some time with you as well. Uh, the release of your latest book is, the release has already happened. I had it yes. as October 1st. I guess the release has already happened, as you say. Uh, Bible is Black History and Beyond. Um, you've also got a uh, a revival coming up with a, with a really interesting panel that we yes. want to talk about as well. But 
we do want to let our, our listeners uh, have an opportunity to speak with you. Uh, one, uh, the, he needs no introduction. Always excellent. Always on point. Uh, the the very, very excellent Dr. Thomas Brown. Dr. Brown, how, how are you, Dr. Brown? Hey there. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You are long overdue because Theron's been on it. Uh, for a minute. Yeah. No, yeah. I got. When did I get the book? There it was uh, some months ago. Yeah, but that oh, okay. then, uh, another one has been released, Doctor Brown. This is a new one. That's what we're talking about. The oh, Bible, that's history. Since black. Uh, since, no, I'm talking about your black. Uh, the the black church, white theology. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. That came out last year. Right. This, you, you remember you were dealing with Doctor Hyman and them. You yeah. Right. 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 And because I told them that's the book you need. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I'm just calling to compliment him. Uh-huh. See, he's a Detroit brother. Okay. Uh, some of the history of Detroit is very interesting in black theology. Okay. Uh, what about the Church of the Black Madonna? Where do you fit that uh, in, Theron? Well, you know what, Doc? I don't know that much about it, about the mm-hmm. Church of the Black Madonna. I know it was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't researched it. I, I'm not... I'm not very versed on it. Uh, I, I know. Can't I, just check it out, cause see, uh, uh, Tina. See, he comes out of Virginia Union, and all of our seminaries have a different thought. Mm-hmm. And then I can appreciate where that what Theron's writing is truth, mm-hmm. and he uses a word that I had never thought of was that the system Christianity was a system that dealt with dominance. Mm-hmm. In his very first chapter, wasn't it you dealt with dominance? Of, uh, it it was, the, was the key word, and I used the word oppression. Yeah. And, uh, and he, every black preacher, no, and white preachers need to read that. And at the same time, there was a little bit, when I was reading through his book, there was a little bit of what I remember in the Birmingham jail letter right, uh, uh, coming from King. See, with me in a different generation, with the King and the movement, and me and James Cone were in school together. Okay. So so here, uh, Theron had the nerve <laughs> to put it out there. Yeah. And he was, and guess what? He could do it in the city of Indiana Place. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Brown. His, uh, no, his book, mm-hmm. everybody needs to read it. There, there, there's a lot of them. You know, he's... he's yeah, you but, said, but I, there, Which one? Which one? Where you start at the first beginning and then go no, forward. He did, yeah. a, he did a, it, a, very, a very good piece on uh, black history, the, yeah. the Bible yeah, and black history. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's not even taught in our schools. And no. uh, DeSantis and all them sure wouldn't want that book. That book's going to get banned. <laughs> you know what? Have have you had that? Have you had that experience? I, not not that I know of, but I, I'm sure this. My work is not in any public schools in any Republican it states. You, 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 it could. Oh, in Republican states. Okay, yeah. I see what you yeah, said. Yeah, and plus he's got some uh, uh, books for children. Yeah. Right. All you right. have to do is go to the church. And I walked in there some months ago, and I saw all these books. I, said, I didn't even know he wrote them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My grandson has one. He has the one of the coloring, but he loves it. Mm-hmm. Loves it. Uh, no, the uh, uh, Theron is 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 has a ministry mm-hmm. that we need to push more in regard to writing and in regard to educating 
uh, because we have been miseducated. Because we don't even know how the history of the book was designed. Once you look at how we got hooked on King James, not realizing, and then hits all of those points to a certain amount, not realizing that Jesus did not speak Greek, he did not speak English, he spoke Aramaic. Yeah. And you look at the idiomatic expressions and, and all of that in the early texts, the stuff that we hear and see, uh, that ain't how it is in Aramaic. And... Uh, you got uh, you got a good program. We need to do a series with Darren. Yeah. And because uh, I would come at him in a different way, uh, which he would have fun. But it's also detrimental to the mindset of us who've been miseducated. Yeah. You know the the, the his, no his stuff is on point. It is no very question, much on point. The, no this... question about it. Um, and it's about dominance. And that's the word I'm trying to digest, but it looks like that's what this has been about, dominating even how we see each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when, when he mentioned publishing, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in the same trap, and I'm dealing with something out of the east, uh, out of New Jersey, which, I mean, they step in, and they, uh, the publishers like what I have to say, and mine is dealing with the fear to love and the love to fear. So they have taught us how to be dominated with fear. Yep. So I've been reading. I've been reading his stuff there, so it helps me to get what I'm trying to say in print. It's not. It's not trying to get it. It's trying to make sense of it, uh, because we have to understand our history and its truth. Yep, indeed. A lot of we're we're good storyteller preachers, but what about truth telling? That's in the. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. There you go. <laughs> Dr. Brown. No, but no, uh, uh, Farron is mm -hmm. on it. Yep. It'd have been interesting if I'd have had him as a camaraderie when I was in the movement and SNCC. See, when he mentions James Baldwin, these are guys I interact in uh, Selma. Malcolm. What, was there anybody in the movement that was was that had the teachings of what uh, and the research of of uh, Dr. Williams? No, there really wasn't. Uh, I mean, it was being talked about, but no, okay. we weren't publishing. Mm -hmm. the, the publishing emerged when James Cone came out. I think, wouldn't you say that in early black theology? Yeah, yeah, he, you know, Cone is recognized as a father yeah, with of his, black theology. Yeah, his high voice. <laughs> we, <laughs> I, we can't, I can't tell you everything over up in Northwestern, we were together. No, the brother was on it, and he'd come out where? Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I tell you who's got an interesting person, Tina, this will blow your mind, is uh, Virginia Kane. In what regard? Her, her kind of her work in the field of medicine and and disease control is a theology. It's a ministry, mm. and that impact of Arkansas thinkers is an interesting thing mm. because Arkansas has one, and I'll use this one hell of a history of oppression and dominance. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Dr. Dr. Kane, by the way, uh, recently appointed. She's the president-elect of the National right. Medical Association. The National Medical Association? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? National Med- yeah, yeah. Awesome. One of the biggest uh, affiliations of African-American doctors in the country. The thousands biggest, of yeah. them. Thousands and thousands. And she's the, she's the head now. <clears throat> Excuse awesome. me. The, yeah, yeah. Dr. Brown, thank you so much. I appreciate you calling in, as always. Oh, yeah. And always. I appreciate you listening, listening to him. I'll, I'll get in touch with Darren because you know what you did. <laughs> doing on our zoom okay all right man okay. appreciate it tommy all right thank you dr brown uh jeff go ahead how are you uh, how you doing Tina? how you doing dr williams i'm doing fine man. thank you i got two quick points and uh dr brown kind of tapped on a little bit and i and i give you two examples uh well i was watching a program last night on national geographic about the ancient uh, civilization of nubia and how they found artifacts that really said that, you know, the Egyptians and the Nubians were people of color. But there was this white professor who just couldn't accept the fact that how could these black people build the pyramids? There's no way. So his excuse was they were just dark-skinned white people. That was his rationale. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that aliens did it. Black folks didn't yeah. do it. Have yeah. you heard that aliens did it? Yeah, they can't get yeah. credit. They can't. <laughs> no, didn't do it. It was <laughs> alien. Out visitors from another planet did it. Yeah, yeah but, but real quickly... Uh, Two things. And Dr. Brown, could you elaborate the connection between the Council of Nicaea? Because I, I heard this debate, who really started Christianity? Was it Jesus or was it the Emperor Constantine? And mm. the second question is, the way evangelicals, I know they're not dumb people, they're evil, but they're not dumb. <laughs> Do they realize that Jesus didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes, but yet they used you know, Christianity to basically enforce white supremacy. And how did they come to that rationale that it, 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 it's very unlikely that Jesus had blonde hair and blue eyes? Okay. Uh, we'll let uh, we'll let Dr. Williams uh, just uh, address both of those points. Um, well, with, with regard to um, with regard to the image of Jesus, uh, no images have been found of Jesus prior to the second century. And the first images of Jesus reflected not his historical likeness, but the congregations that this mm-hmm. Jesus represented. So if you had, and, and many of the ancient depictions of Jesus are black, would suggest that those earlier congregations were black people. It wasn't until uh, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and that crowd came along during the Age of Enlightenment over in Europe when they rendered Jesus according to their racial makeup, which is fair because everybody did it. Every church community did it, developed their own rendition, rendition of Jesus, not trying to capture his historical likeness, but as a reflection of that particular worshiping community. And white people had every right to depict Jesus according to their racial makeup as everybody else around the world had done. The issue is, however, During the Age of Enlightenment, when you have European expansion, when they were taking over the entire world, that image of Jesus that was produced back then became the standard. And it not only reflected white congregations, but it reflected the historical Jesus as well. So they used that, and it has stood with us. And... 
as they were expanding European expansion, as that was happening, the thing was they would leave these images behind as a way to show we have dominated and we have left as proof of our domination, our white expression of Christianity and our images of white Jesus. So white Jesus became synonymous with white supremacy. White supremacy. Mm-hmm. The biblical Jesus is the incarnation of God. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the image, white Jesus becomes the image of whiteness. And whiteness for white evangelicalism is equivalent to God. So that Jesus will always be white, no matter how much it contradicts mm. his history, he will always be white in the minds of white evangelicalism. Because if you get rid of white Jesus, you get rid of the God of whiteness. That's who their God is. Not the God of the Bible, but the God of whiteness. Mm. Wow. Wow. Um, Jay, go ahead. How are you? Hey, yeah, howdy. Uh, Pastor Williams, good evening. Good evening. Reading from Jay Majors. Uh, hey, Jay, how you doing, man? Better than I deserve. I'm grateful. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you guys, and I'm, so, I'm like Reverend Brown. You and him I can call Pastor without even a blink of the eye. I am so proud to be under you two in many, many ways. Uh, I wanted to make one comment, and then I have a question, Pastor. Uh, my comment is, I don't live in Marion County, so I kind of live a little west, like Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know that you're in a mm, white evangelical church, I could name a bunch, but then they might run me out of town. <laughs> so I'm not going to name them, but... If they have a Christian flag and an American flag, and both are posted, you better believe just about everybody in that church voted for you know who, and uh, you know who, you know who he is. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to say that. Um, number two, I need to know about this uh, this online class that you got because I need it. I need it in the worst way. I am I am out here in Plainfield uh, doing ministry with a specific uh, body of believers, and I like their grit. Uh, they'll go into jail with me. I'm going to prison with them. It doesn't matter what color Jesus is, uh, but it does matter. And I told Pastor that uh, at this church where I'm at. So give me some info, man, about that that studying thing. Thank you, Miss Tina, for taking my call, ma'am. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate it. Okay, yes, that, yeah, the the information is forthcoming. Um, uh, we're going to do a big rollout, a big uh, campaign, ad campaign, promoting it. Uh, and it'll be on our website, BibleIsBlackHistory.com. In fact, that's where you can purchase the book, BibleIsBlackHistory.com. Okay. I'm not going to Amazon. I'll do it, Pastor. Thank oh, you. Okay. Although you can't okay. find it on Amazon, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that and, and the entire collection is on Amazon as well. Um, William, go ahead. How are you? Oh, how are you doing, Miss Tino? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing I'm well, sir. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll be sneaking in and out of his church every now and then. Sneaking in and out? 
Vi grinner. Well, what's that about? Uh, I go to him. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you have to get some education. Education, I love that. Yeah, I need some of that too. Education, we all do. All right. Mm-hmm. See, we, in order for what we call the black churches to get uh, straight up with the with the scripture, mm-hmm. we would have to turn down the whole traditional outline and the teaching of mm. the Bible as it stands right now. Because when we started the churches in America, Pan Block, Arkansas was one of the ones that they called the Plantation Church. Uh, what happened is they had a black pastor, but they had a white uh, person over the church. And the pastor had to say what he told the uh, pastor to tell the church. And with that tradition, we came up with a whole bunch of stuff that is not biblical. In order, we got to turn down the European attitude uh, concerning the church and start to teach what the scriptures say. And I am so glad to say this without mm. fear of contradiction. Mm. Dr. Thurman mm. Williams teaches the Bible. And that's what I that's what I love to hear. When I go to his church, I know I'm gonna come out walking high. Okay. Stepping high? Okay, I like that. Walking high. All right, William. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, compliments to uh, to Dr. Williams. Um, I have a question. Um, we, we talk about the, the white evangelicalism and the impact um, on, you know, the black church. The churches are still every Sunday morning segregated, you know, mm-hmm. in the, you know, you go to the city and every, you know, black church here, white church here or what have you. What does that segregation, what impact does that segregation have on the ability to get more of this message through? Um, and, and why do we remain so segregated? I don't Maybe segregation isn't bad. Sometimes it's, I don't know. Well, you know, I... I believe I want the body of Christ to reflect all ethnic groups, uh-huh, uh-huh. all racial groups. Unfortunately, when we start talking about integrating churches, integration is always a one-way street. It is black people going to white churches mm-hmm. with the goal of integrating. You rarely see the white masses migrating or integrating mm-hmm. black churches. It's a one-way street. It's the same thing with busing. Busing is a one-way street. You don't see suburbia in busing their children into urban schools, mm-hmm. but you see the opposite. Mm-hmm. So it seems like integration is always one way, and that is we always have to lose our identity to melt away into the dominant white culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, integration means you lose your Africanity and forget about your history and embrace Americanism as it is uh, uh, given to us by Euro-Americans. So if I want to hold on to my blackness, I can't hold on to my blackness and integrate successfully into a white social structure. You know, so it's it's a 
it's a conundrum. It really is. Mm. So, so how can you hold on to your Afghanity and still be appreciated in white spaces? Mm. That's good. You know, you, you, you're just not appreciated. And then when you have integrated, when, when black people start migrating or integrating mm-hmm. white churches, they say that they are multicultural. They may be multiracial, but they're not multicultural because the cultural paradigm is always Euro. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Except when it's marginalized, you got Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Then you got Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. That's the integration. And even Black History Month, Cinco de Mayo, and Juneteenth. Hispanic Heritage Month right now. Spanish Heritage Month. How, and you have a lot of Latinos mm-hmm. in white evangelical churches. I wonder how much of that is celebrated. And even in the planning process, when they're trying to celebrate or plan to celebrate Juneteenth or Latino Month, it always has to go through a committee that it won't be so offensive to the white people who are there. But nobody talks about black people or Latino people being offended by Euro holidays and Euro expression of Christianity. It's always one way. Mm. You know know how one-way streets go. Um, You have coming up, the book is out, and uh, it's available now. Uh, You might find online that it's not available until October 1st. It is now available, Dr. Theron D. Williams. Uh, The Bible is Black History and Beyond. Uh, So uh, certainly there's a challenge here, uh, a huge challenge here from just basically the the bullet points on the outside. Yeah. uh, That's deep. Reimagining biblical heritage, re-envisioning black theology, and reawakening uh, prophetic ministry. Yes. Wow. Wow. And speaking of which, um, you you do have an event coming up that hasn't already happened. Right. So that, yes. That's a, a week of consecration and rededication. Boy, that's a preacher talking right there. <laughs> consecration and rededication. October 9th to the 11th. Tell us, tell us about that coming well, up. Well, um, we have our this event coming up at our church mm-hmm. and at Mount Carmel at Mount Carmel Church, mm-hmm. 9610 East 42nd church. Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, on the city's far east side. Mm-hmm. And this is not only for uh, the Mount Carmel Church family, but it's for the broader community as well. Oh, yeah. You know, um, we want to re, uh, consecrate ourselves. You know, that's that's based upon uh, the book of, of Exodus mm-hmm. when the... No, I'm sorry. The book of uh, Joshua, when the children of Israel were were fighting against this, uh, uh, against the Canaanites and and the leaders, Joshua told them, "Don't bring anything mm-hmm. from the Canaanite. We want you to destroy it, to level it, to burn it to the ground, and don't take anything of value for yourself." Well, they went in, they battled. People saw this good stuff laying around. They took it. And they took it and they had it a part of the Israelite community. So when the Israelite community went to war again, they started losing. And Joshua wanted to know, God, you're going to let these people wipe us out? He's crying to God. Mm -hmm. And God told him, get up. Let me tell you what's wrong. Your people took stuff from the enemy and you have put it in your camp, which is why you cannot defeat the next enemy. So he told them to consecrate yourselves. 
That is, get rid of the stuff that you thought was valuable mm. that you took from the enemy and you wonder why you can't stand. So consecration in that context means to purify ourselves. There's some stuff that we've taken from the enemy that we think is valuable to us, but it's not value. It's hurting us. It's mm. causing our defeat. Mm. So you got to get rid of that. If you want to get the victory over your next enemy, you got to release some of the stuff that you thought were valuable that you got from your <laughs> previous enemy. So that's consecration. And we want to rededicate ourselves to God. And so we have a, a week long service to emphasize that we have Dr. John Guns, who <laughs> is the dean of the School of Theology at Virginia Union University. He's going to be preaching. We have Deaton Hatton, uh, Dietrich Hatton, my homeboy from Detroit. He's going to be here uh, as our praise and worship leader. And then on Monday, we have a, a panel discussion, the future of the black church. And that panel discussion is led by one of the greatest scholars in America, Oberry Hendricks. He wrote The Politics of Jesus which is a classic. It mm. revolutionized how I understand the Bible. Mm. And then he wrote this. His last one was Christians Against Christianity. He yeah, he talks about how these Christians in name have attacked Christianity and how they are tearing Christianity mm. to the ground. He's mm. going to be here. He's going to be on that panel. And then you see the list of the others who are going to be on the panel as well. Dr. Nicole Robertson. Yes. Dr. Kevin Cosby. Uh, mm -hmm. No relation. Um Dr. Courtney, although you people keep asking me that, uh, and he's he's in Louisville, Kentucky, oh, yeah. right out yeah. of Louisville, Kentucky. And see, I'm from right, almost right there. Yeah. Uh, and they said, "Well, how's Reverend Collins?" I said, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who he is." Yeah. But I, I hear he has. In fact, I've been to his church. I, I was there not too long ago uh, okay. for a funeral at his church. He's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Courtney Bugs, uh, Dr. Jeffrey A. Johnson Jr., um, and Dr. Leah Gunning Francis, formerly with uh, Christian Theological yes. Seminary now. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. She's with I, IU, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going to be fantastic. We got. Uh, let's squeeze in one more question before we have to uh, to let you go, Ron. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Go ahead. How are you? Lovely Tina and Pastor... Uh, God bless you both, and of course, Tina, you know I love you. Pastor, I've told you before that I love you when I call in. My, my two, I have two concerns. One is personal, and one is personal. Uh, one is, how is the lovely Trina, and what do you teach in your church about what a person takes for a soul to be saved? Those are my two concerns. Oh, Trina is fine. Excellent. Good to know that. Yeah, and what does it take? It's it's spelled out in in, in uh, Romans ten, verse nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's Thank the you. plan of salvation. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Um, I don't know. Were you supposed to be teaching something else? <laughs> I mean, nothing. Nothing against the last uh, call there. I just, I just found it really interesting. Um, so, going forward. So, what are we? What are we to take? Uh, and is there anything from your writings that will? Uh, I, I guess segue into uh, the week of consecration and rededication yes. that'll segue into the future of the black church and what is it that you most want um, us to take away from all of it at this point in time? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are um, the future of the black church that's broken down in several different um, themes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to look at um, uh Let's see. There's several. They're like mm-hmm. three or four different topics that we're going to be talking about with regard to the future of the black church. We're going to look at how do you determine what effective preaching is in the black church? Mm. You know, how do you determine what are the outcomes that you look for in, a, in effective preaching? We're going to be looking at mental health the mental health crisis in the black community and how does the church respond? Mm-hmm. What is our role as a black church in that mental health crisis? Next segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at um, prophetic ministry. How do you balance personal piety and prophetic protest? When we talk about personal piety, we're talking about prayer, worship, living a morally clean life, um, meditation, scripture reading, that's personal piety. And it's a, it's a, it's a necessity in every church. But how do you balance that with personal, pro, with a public protest? When you speak out against systems of domination and systems of oppression, how do you balance that in the church? You got some churches that's all public protests and say nothing about Mm-hmm. personal piety and then you got churches that are all personal piety and turn their back on public protest but there needs to be a balance and we're going to talk about that balance among other things so mm-hmm. that that is going to to lead our conversation so how can everyone participate in not only the purchase of your book uh but also the uh the upcoming revival the week-long revival okay the 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 um the panel discussion is on October the 9th, Monday, October the 9th. We start at 6.30. We're going to run for two hours, mm-hmm. and um, that will include a Q&A from the people in the audience. Uh, you don't, you really don't want to miss that. We had the same thing last year, mm-hmm. and our church really appreciated it. Our community really appreciated it. So we're taking it to a higher level this year. And then on Monday and Tuesday night, we have Bishop John Gunn, who's going to be preaching, and mm. DJ Hatton, who's going to be leading the worship. So it's going to be a power-packed week. We do encourage all of Indianapolis to come and to support it. Yeah, indeed. And buy the book? And buy the book. The Bible <laughs> is Black History and Beyond. Out now at a location near you, I guess, <laughs> Amazon, uh, online, and, of course, uh, the Bible, the Bible is blackhistory.com .com. Dr. Theron Williams as always thank you so thank so you, very Tina. much it's always a great show when you come uh, we are going to continue our discussion we, we had a mention of mental health but we're going to continue our discussion uh, as we wrap up National Suicide and Prevention Month uh, here uh, at the Indianapolis Stations of Radio 1 right after the break we'll be right back 
WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And we're back with Community Connection. Heading into, oh, just past the top of our second hour. Uh, again, it is always, always a pleasure uh uh, I, you know, I call him a scholar. Uh, he may not call himself that, but uh, Dr. Theron Williams uh, and his research is just invaluable. Um, and uh, hopefully we're going to be hearing a lot more from him. I, I know he's not going to stop at this book. So, uh, again, thanks uh, for Dr. Williams taking time out of his busy schedule. As we said, he's internationally known. He's very much in demand uh, with the material that he has so much free researched and refined. So thank you again, uh, Dr. Theron Williams. Um Kind of a segue of sorts, uh, but the Brothers United, or BU Wellness Network, headquartered right here in Indianapolis, um, is the largest African-American AIDS service organization in the state of Indiana. Uh, Their stated mission is to enhance the health and wellness of black communities in Indiana. BU Wellness is involved in advocacy, wellness, and education, especially when it comes to reducing stigmas and negative attitudes. Now, many of those stigmas and negative attitudes uh, lie in the black LGBT communities, especially black males, especially black male attitudes about mental health, mental wellness, and suicide prevention. Uh, here now to help us sort out some of that dynamic uh, is Delma C. Porter Jr., a licensed medical health and clinical addictions counselor and program manager at the BU uh, Brothers United Wellness Network. Uh, Delma, welcome to Community Connection. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on today. It's been it's going to be a pleasure talking to you on these current topics as far as mental health and the suicide yes. Uh, yes. problems that we're having here, yeah. and it's not only in the local city but across the country. Yeah, indeed. And you know, uh, Delmas, we were trying our, our level best. Just the the you know just our schedules conflicted, but uh, we wanted to have you um, as part of our uh, you know Stop the Music uh, World Suicide Prevention Day uh, special broadcast that we had here. Uh, but you have been so gracious as to come back and, and you know, we weren't able to get it synced up, but you were uh, gracious enough to come on today and, and share that because we, you know, the, uh, the other day we talked about veterans and, and you know, the, and she was not able to get to this show either. So I'm just really grateful for, uh, for veterans and for you uh, to give us, you know, so many different points uh, of view. So tell us a little bit about uh, the, the BU Wellness Network and what all you do there. Oh, well, we are a full-range program that we offer a, a variety of different services throughout the community. Uh, one of the main things we work on is nutrition programming. We have a BU Fit, I mean, a BU Fresh Market that we have twice a week uh, on Tuesdays and on Fridays where we offer fresh vegetables and fruits to our community uh, just as a walk-in. It's not that you have to be utilizing our services at one end or the other. It's just basically being that avenue for people in our community who are in a food desert. As you know, we mm-hmm. have plenty of food deserts here in the city, and we are in a food desert right here. We're at on, um, well, on 17th and Meridian. We have Kroger's right down the street, but, you know, that's still walking distance for a lot of people. And so mm-hmm. we have a lot of people come in and get fresh fruits and vegetables on Tuesdays and Fridays. On Tuesdays, it's from 10 to 2, and on, no, you know, Right, it's from on, from on Tuesdays two to six, and on. 
Fridays is from 10 to 2, and we offer that to our community. We also offer uh, supportive services such as non-medical case management. We have a food pantry that's open up um, besides our fresh fruit that we give out twice a week. We have pantry services available. We have medical transportation um, mm. available. We have a two main support groups that we have. We have uh, Women's United, which is a women's group that we have every other second Tuesday, Wednesday of the month from 530 to 6. And then mm-hmm. we have the Phoenix group, which is a group that functions on those who have been dealing with uh, symptoms of mm-hmm. HIV for many, many years. We have some mm-hmm. people that are in the program that have been dealing with symptoms for 30 years. And that's one of the things that we are seeing now as we are moving into this next phase is seeing those who are aging with HIV, which mm. is something new. It's something that we hadn't seen in the past, but we're glad that we are seeing it now. But mm-hmm. that brings a whole nother level of things that we need to be abreast of. Mm. So you were, you, the the I, I guess you were first founded years ago around the AIDS epidemic, the AIDS emergency, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, it was founded by a group of young men who saw that the need for our community, the black male, same loving gender-loving men community, was not being reached um, by those who were trying to get them into treatment, get them into services, to make sure that they were able to utilize the services that were being available to others throughout the state, well, across the city. And so that's how they were initially founded. But as we've moved on, we've opened up the avenues to be able to do a lot of other different types of services. But yes, it was basically found out, founded on that principle. Yeah. We talk, <clears throat> one of the things that, that we are especially interested in, of course, because it's the majority of our audience, um, is people of color. And one of the things that we uh, we talk about during Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, especially World Suicide Prevention Day, is the alarming suicide rate uh, among our young African Americans, uh, especially our males. The, the women are, are right there, but our young African American males. But we don't often even dig, you know, take a deeper dive and look into the African-American LGBTQ uh, community and the suicide rates there. What about that demographic? And is that something that we should all be concerned about as well as we are just in general? Oh, yes, we definitely need to be concerned about that as well as in general, because those that are dealing with... um, coming out to our families, coming Mm -hmm. out to our churches and our communities, even in today's time where you think that it would be a lot more open and that people would be accepting, Mm -hmm. it's still um, a very taboo situation in some some families, in some churches, in some communities, and so on, that it doesn't make it very difficult for that person to come out and be them who they are and who, who they want to be be in their lives and so yes and so when you have that on top of all of the other things that are going on in our country or in our cities where children are being exposed to more as far as with substance abuse and and being exposed to um, you know poverty level and and just all those things that we would sometimes think that they wouldn't be dealing with as a child but they're dealing with as a child um, it becomes overwhelming and then, then we had this whole thing with the suicide rate increasing and increasing. It's, it's, it's alarming. It's alarming. What does the suicide rate look like there? I mean, do, do um, you have any recent numbers or anything? Or just uh, uh, alarming is good, but 
if you have any no, numbers. No. Yeah. I do. I do. I have as far as like with um with youth. Uh, 45% of the LGBT community in Indiana considers Excuse me. Mm-hmm. 45% of the LGBTQ youth in Indiana have seriously considered suicide in the past year, and that's coming from the Trevor Report. Mm. Um, Trevor Project. Trevor Project. And for those who may not be familiar with what that is, can you just briefly summarize the Trevor Project? The Trevor Project is a is a leading suicide prevention uh, organization for the LGBTQ young young people. Pr- produced in innovative organi- original research mm-hmm. that amplifies the experiences of diver- diverse LGBTQ and young people and brings new knowledge and clinical implications to the suicide prevention field. Um, they've been working with this since 2019 and. And our annually nationally survey has been among the largest, uh, the most diverse sur- surveys of LGBTQ young people in the U.S. Yeah. So anyway, according to their uh, findings, uh, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you, but I just wanted to make sure people knew what. Oh, so according to the findings of the Trevor Project. Um, Yes, 45% of the youth that they had surveyed at that time um, had considered suicide in the past year, and 15% of that population uh, had attempted suicide in the last year, in that last past year that they did the survey, which was last year. So what are the special challenges presented for African Americans within the LGBTQ community and mental health and mental wellness and suicide prevention. Um, well, more stigma. More stigma, but we still are facing some of those same things that we've dealt with in the past, as far as okay. uh, people seeing mental health as a as a as a weakness, and and still don't feel that um, that. Those are the things that we need to seek out services for. Mm-hmm. And that's something that other people do that we don't do. That we we go to church, we pray about it, we we and which which is wonderful, which is wonderful, and, and I'm glad that many many have found solace in that. But um, the services are there for those who need that additional support, and that's what I always encourage. I mean, we can always go to our our faith based background and what we have in the past, but to uh, utilize those services that are available now, what have been available, but to engage in those services where those additional supports are needed as far as like med management, uh, individual therapy, um, groups, and so on. Those things do help as Mm -hmm. well as those other faith-based um, alternatives, mm-hmm. and so we we still find that we find people that say, "Oh, that's not for us," and and I always encourage people just to try it, just to try it, and if it doesn't work for you, you can always back off. But if you do find that it is helping you, then that's one more avenue that you have to get the support that you need. So, is there any special area of focus when the focus, the national focus, is on? Uh, something like suicide prevention and awareness, like this particular month. Is there any particular focus from the BU Wellness Network uh, that takes place, especially during this time of the year? Well, we always are uh, keeping that as the forefront of our programming and so on. And so when we have uh, members who come in for their initial uh, intake and so on, we always talk about mental health. We always... um, 
um, you know, bring the let that let that be a a part of their treatment if that's, if that's what they need and at that time. Uh, as far as as far as suicide prevention and so on, we always have pamphlets and so on and throughout our agency to if if that is something that they're thinking about, that they have the the, uh, the suicide prevention numbers that are available and 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 those types of things. So it's kind of like a always, all the time, all the time, not necessarily just necessarily been. just focusing on one month. We yeah. focus on that on a daily basis when we because yeah. we always have members that come in and uh, do walk-ins that are maybe mm-hmm. having a um, a crisis or something to that effect. And and a lot of times I and my and my cohorts that are in the uh, retention and clinical. Um, clinical mm-hmm. department, we, we work with those those individuals on a daily basis. And so it's nothing that we can say that we do once a month, I mean mm-hmm. once a year, it's something that yeah. we do on a daily basis. Yeah, no, ne- not necessarily any special um, any special focus. Um, our guest, if you're just joining us, Dalmas Porter, he's a licensed uh, mental health and clinical addiction counselor and uh, program manager at the BU Wellness uh, Network, Brothers United. Um uh, primarily, uh, you know, formed uh, to address uh, the AIDS epidemic, the AIDS crisis, but has uh, blossomed and ballooned into so many more, um, you know, so many more services. I, I see that your pillars, uh, you know, education, uh, advocacy, um, and wellness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of our big folks is prevention as far as having, because we have testing that's available uh, for those who come in come in for SFT, well, for sexually transmitted disease testing, HIV testing, and so on. Uh, we have uh, walk-in times on Fridays. We have uh, where they can schedule appointments on the weekends and come in. So we try to make it as available to people as possible who want to come in and get those types of tests. Uh, we also go out into the community and do testing uh, where we do pop-ups at different uh, functions that are going on um, in the community, whether it be at uh, IUPUI uh, when they were having their initial um, back-to-school summit programming that they were having that we were there. Mm-hmm. We were, of course, um, at, we have pop-up uh, where, where sometimes where different events will be going in the community, like a Vogue night or, mm-hmm. a, uh, or a, uh, a, a situation where there would be a lot of young people, not necessarily young people, but just a lot of people that are there that can you know, uh, benefit from being tested for STDs and so on. Uh, where, so, where are we with the with AIDS in Indianapolis and Marion County? Um, as far as um, it's still a great concern. It's still a great concern as far as we're still seeing the numbers kind of tapering, but we're still seeing that we are still getting a lot of positive tests coming back and not just not just in the Marion County area but across the state. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Oh, across the state? Uh, so where, where would you say the levels are uh, compared to maybe five years ago, 10 years ago? Are they are they pretty much the same? Have they gone down? Are they have they shot up? I mean, uh, what kind of uh, context or perspective can you put it put it in perspective for us? Um, it is it's lower. It's, I would say that it is lower than the last five years. Um, I'm at a can't put my on the exact number right now, but I know that we are lower than we were in, in the last five years. A lower, but still a source of, of, of huge concern, concern, though. You got to believe, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's still a concern. It's still uh, something that we're trying to um, get people to be aware of. We're trying to get people to be more preventive in their processes as far as uh, spreading the word of PrEP. Uh, really getting people to really look at PrEP is not just something that uh, those who are in the LGBTQ uh, family look at using, but across uh, in the heterosexual uh, community as well. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, that's another thing that we see a lot of stigma in as far as that, oh, if, you, if you're not gay, then you don't, if you're not gay, then you don't need to be on PrEP. But PrEP is something that anyone who is sexually active and has the... Um, possibility of coming in contact with someone and, and not using protection should consider PrEP as a preventative measure. What is that? PrEP. What is it? What is? Oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking that that's, it's a, it is the medications used to prevent the transmission of HIV. And there's two forms of it. One is a pill that you can take on a daily basis, uh -huh. and, and that can enhance your, um, well, decrease your likelihood of becoming HIV positive if you're exposed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a new medication out that is an injection. I really don't want to give the names of them because, you know, da da da. But yes, those are the things that. Uh, yeah. That we need to do, but as far you know, the the, the like as we were saying, and, and our focus, we just want to make sure that if, if people who, if you need help, ask for help, regardless, um, you know, regardless, uh, young, old, black, white. But if you need help, that's that's kind of what you know. We we kind of hit. Uh, pretty hard during this month, you know, for our listeners and everyone. We want people to have the resources, no matter what walk of life uh, that you come from. Everyone needs resources, and everyone at some point in time may need someone to talk to. Um, you know, certainly the 988 um, lifeline, We, you know, we don't call it a hotline. It's a lifeline. The 988 lifeline um, is probably in your in your toolbox of resources as well. Is that is that correct? Oh, yes, that's in our toolbox as far as, you know, is encouraging people to uh, look at their local areas to find out which community mental health center services their area. And if they're in need of, of, of treatment to, you know, get in contact with them and um, and move forward, forward that way. And then also if you're in, in desperate need of services or something like that, you can always go to your local ER. And then from there you can get linked into treatment as well. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that that we uh, we didn't we didn't cover, Dallas. Again, we you know, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and and if someone wants to get in touch with you and get in touch with the uh, the BU Network, the BU Wellness Network, what do they need to do? What's the website and and how can they contact you? Well, we are currently at um, well, our office is located at seventeen twelve North Meridian. 
I mean, no, yeah, 1712 North Meridian in the old PNC building. Okay. And our, our, our tagline for our um, for our organization is always going to be Mm-hmm. Are you get in contact with us. And then my actual email address is um, dporter at buwellness.org. Okay. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us uh, today. Um, as I said, we're you know we're wrapping up our conversations, but I'm so glad we were able to get you here and get you in and share your resources and uh, help that's available um, you know across all fronts. And we really really appreciate you being here with us. Right, and I want to thank you for allowing us to speak on on the topic today, but also just being uh, aware that these are things that need to be discussed in our community and the things we need to be aware of and to continue to be aware of them, not only uh, just in this particular month, but across the entire year. There are always uh, different things that are going on in our community that that uh, we need to stay abreast of, and, and mental health is definitely one. Um, I've been in mental health since, well, since 2000, really since 99. These strides that we've made as far as helping people and getting people the help that they need is is is, is extreme, but it still doesn't touch everyone. Because like you were saying, we still have those who feel the stigma of being in mental health. We still have those who um, uh, don't necessarily see themselves as needing help uh, when they really are dealing with things that they can get the support for. Um, they, they think that just because it's a, um, a feeling inside that they're not comfortable with, that they can uh, just keep pushing through it. But just to know that there are services there that are available for them to help them through those times is utmost important. And so I do thank you for bringing this to the radio listeners and uh, just just keep pushing it. All righty. Well, thank you for being there, and thank you for all you do. Appreciate you. And we'll be uh, calling on you again, I'm sure, at some point in time, because we appreciate your expertise. Okay, anytime. All right, thank, thank you. you again. So and that, that was uh, Delmas um, Porter, Delmas C. Porter, Jr., licensed mental health and clinical addiction counselor and program manager at the BU uh, Wellness Network, um, otherwise known as Brothers uh, United Wellness Network. It, I think when it first started out, they just called it BU. I mean, they just called it Brothers United. I forgot to ask Delmas about that. But anyway, um, we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, our good friend with the Indianapolis Recorder, Danny Bridges, will talk sports with us. We'll be right back. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310 95.1 FM. Indy's Inspiration Station. And we are back with Community Connection. Um, just a quick recap of what we've done so far. And as, as always, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, you know, one of our favorite guests, uh, Dr. Theron Williams, was with us. Um, and he has yet another book. He's written more than a dozen. He has an, another book that is out now. It wasn't due out until October 1st, but it is actually out now. The Bible is Black History and Beyond. Um, Dr. Williams, uh, as you know, is just, just one of the most prolific uh, writers. And, and researchers uh, in the area of um, the fact that most of the people in the Bible uh, were of color, primarily African-American.
American and just everything that's associated with that. So we want to thank him with that. Um, also, just talked with uh, Delmas Porter. Uh, he is with the um, uh, BU Wellness Network, um, and he continued um, our conversation that we started uh, the first of the month uh, with um, – uh, November, I'm sorry, what is it, September, September being National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month and just, just continuing with our conversations um, about uh, suicide prevention um, and awareness, um, especially in the LGBTQ uh, community. Uh, earlier we talked this week uh, about suicide prevention awareness uh, and uh, in the uh, veterans uh, community. Uh, and so uh, the conversation uh, continues, as does the month, but it won't stop at the end of September, of course, we'll continue. But we do thank um, those who we were able to catch up with, who we were not able to uh, connect with on the day that we uh, stopped the music and regular programming. Um, also, quick reminder, don't forget, please don't forget, um, you can now apply for your absentee vote-by-mail ballots. Go to indianavoters.in.gov. Also, free COVID test kits are now available to the general public. You can go to covid.gov slash test. Both uh, absentee vote-by-mail information and the COVID test kits are on our website, praiseindy.com. Um, as I was saying earlier and at the top and maybe just a few minutes ago, our sports guy with the Indianapolis Recorder, Danny Bridges, is with us. What's up? What's up? What's up? What is going on, Danny? How are you? Good afternoon, young lady. How are you? Oh, young lady. I, I you know to what? you up early. Yeah, you, you, you sure did. Uh, <laughs> that is, it's, it's a great day now. You called me young lady. I love that. How you well, doing? How you been? I can't complain. Uh, I woke up this morning, which is a, a good deal. Hey, I heard <sighs> you talk about free COVID tests being available mm-hmm. uh, and the information on your website. I just I don't want to go off into the uh, away from sports too much, but I will mention there's a program called Bridge to Access. Uh-huh. Bridge to Access, just like it sounds. You can go online and 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 find out more about it. If you don't have health insurance or you're underinsured and can't afford any out of pocket, as far as this latest round of recommended COVID shots for the new mm-hmm. variant that mm-hmm. is uh, obviously upon us in various regions of the country, uh, they'll get they'll. They'll point you to providers who will give you the shot for free. Oh, okay. Wonderful. That's a wonderful thing for those who may need some assistance. I'm not here on a social visit with you as far as uh, No, but that's good. Work. That's good. That's yeah, good. I, I just want to bring that up because I've got a couple of friends that have taken advantage of it. And, uh, you know, obviously if you've got insurance, they're going to bill your insurance. But for those who are unfortunate and don't yeah, have yeah. adequate insurance or no insurance whatsoever, that program can help you, and there are some participating providers in this community, pharmacy mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. where you can make an appointment, go in, and get your shot. Yeah, and we don't want to leave anybody out because uh, no, COVID not. is everybody's business, and so we, right. you know, whether you can or can't, we want to make sure you get covered. Yeah. So, how you feel about COVID and all the political aspects of yeah. it aside? Uh, there are shots a, available for those of us who believe in science, okay? There we go. Uh, politics has, no, politics has no role in this. This is medical. No. Medical, Absolutely. medical. So, Danny, 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 um, uh, boy, where do we start? I guess, uh, how about them Colts? 
<laughs> well, they did a nice job in persevering. Yeah they, did, yeah. they did what they had to do to win. I thought Minshew played extremely well at times, and at times not so well, but overall, a certainly above average performance at quarterback. He, I believe he's capable of managing a team. There you go. With it, within the limits of his athletic ability and the tools around him. Zach Moss had a heck of a game, obviously, um, from a standpoint of number of carries and the number of yards it equated to. Uh, the Colts receiver stepped up, specifically Pittman, had a, uh, a much better game than we've seen so far this season. So all that combined, and a, a above-average performance by the defense as well, uh, came together, and while it took them a little extra time to do it, they won the ball game. They got out of there with a road win, yes, and that's all that's... that really matters. No one will look back and say, "Ah, oh, look how close you came to losing." Hey, Danny, I have a quick question. Do they still? I, I remember, and I didn't. I didn't even pay attention during the game. I should have. Do they still put on their scoreboard in Baltimore? Do they still put Indy or Indianapolis? Do they still refuse to put the word Colts on their scoreboard? You know, I don't. That's a good question. I know in the past that was the case. Yes, TV, yes, for years. The TV production really doesn't show the scoreboard much. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. you've got the clock super imposed into your screen as far as the play clock and the time remaining in the game and the score. So probably so, I would say, if I had to guess. But, you know, yeah. the Ravens have been successful. They've got a Super Bowl. Yeah, they got a Super Bowl. They're good. They, I, I was just curious. Yeah, be, I, mean, they, yeah. I would hope that that page has been turned. Uh, probably mm-hmm. some old. People like me still look back at it and get angry. But uh, mm. all I know is that they've had a lot of success in uh, yeah. in Baltimore with that team. Uh, they've won a Super Bowl. They've had some great coaching. Yeah, so uh, they, they're, they're doing Harbaugh. okay. Yeah, John Harbaugh is a great coach, part of that, Brian Reddick. So, Brian Bill, excuse me. So, I think everything is in, is in place for both communities to move forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd say that wound is healed. Yeah. Uh, well, let's hope so. Hey, so... Um, Colts play uh, this Sunday uh, here at home against the Rams. Uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, quarterback, and the center, Ryan Kelly, both have been out uh, in per- in concussion protocol. So what's the? do you have the latest on whether or not they're going to be playing? Well, they both uh, – Richardson took starter snaps yesterday in practice, and the protocol calls for non-contact practice to be – Followed by followed by meeting the next day or the next available practice uh, as far as contact is concerned. I haven't heard today if he practiced with contact or not. Today would be that day for for that second day to occur or a second consecutive day of practice, first of first of contact. But I think you know how I feel in, in, in terms of I don't think you want to rush this guy from a concussion. I I'm not a neurologist. Mm-hmm. A neurological scientist or mm-hmm. a doctor, I'm sure he's had multiple MRIs, and they're going to be as careful as possible. The doctors make the decisions, and so that's really where it lies. I hope the doctors yeah. will certainly let this young man sit out this week. Sit out another week. So are the Colts favored to, to beat the Rams? I believe there are, they may be a small margin as far as that, that line is concerned. It's nothing significant, mm-hmm. but... You know, I just don't see the need to rush this guy. I think you can beat the Rams with Gardner Minshew under center. I do. And I don't think there's a reason to take a risk, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I I would. We learn later today or tomorrow that, hey, this guy's fine. And I, I, 
I just caution that approach. Yeah. Doctors are much smarter than I am, and they'll. But you know what, Danny? Even if even if they practice, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've cleared protocol to, to no, the best of my knowledge. They're, okay, they're, they're checked afterwards. He'll be checked today, uh-huh. and he'll also be checked tomorrow. So right, right. I I hope that uh, he's on the sidelines in a golf shirt and a baseball cap. I really do. And people say, "Hey, we need this man." Well. I have to look at it from this perspective. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Rams have fallen. I, I did say L.A., didn't I? Is, yeah, you said L.A. You said yeah, L.A. I almost said San Diego Rams. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is they have fallen from where they once were. They're not the team that went to the Super Bowl in a convincing fashion. They're still a good football team. They're well coached, and they still have a very good quarterback. So certainly they could come in here and steal a win with either guy behind quarter at the quarterback position, but I'd just like to see one more week of this young man sitting out. I mean, you break it down into brass tacks, no medical training, Danny Bridges type opinion. It's a bruise on your brain. That's what a concussion is. Yeah. And I don't know how severe this one is. They do. They being the Colts and their medical staff. And again, he's had the benefit of multiple MRIs. They'll probably get another one today and maybe another one tomorrow. But that's medical science and that's great for him. But in my book, he sits out another week and gets a chance to heal even more. But I don't make those decisions, obviously. Yeah. So um, you uh, you were asked you you were talking about this. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the positive. Uh, I guess it's positive. Everybody was talking about this uh, this blockbuster trade uh, that has nothing to do with here in Indianapolis, but it was interesting uh, because it wasn't supposed to go that way with uh, Lil- uh, Damian Lillard. Uh, mm-hmm. Traded to the Bucks wasn't in, and he'll join Giannis, and so there's a super team right there. Uh, but he was uh, all indications were that he was going to Miami. So what what happened? Do you know? Couldn't tell you that. I, I the term blockbuster is being used pretty loosely. I think Damian Lillard is a very good basketball player. I think he's a one dimensional basketball player. He's a prolific scorer. He doesn't bring anything to the floor in terms of defense, but a lot of players t- today get by with that type of a uh, of a game, which is one side. Again, a prolific scorer, a tremendous perimeter shooter. He will give Milwaukee an element that they didn't have. But, you know, I, I thought the Milwaukee team was pretty well shaped up for next season without this trade as far as, you know, one of the guys on the move now is Drew Holiday. And they're already talking in Portland that he may be up for grabs as far as a trade availability is concerned because Portland's got a lot of guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll fit real nicely, perhaps for the Clippers, perhaps even for Miami. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. keep an eye on the holiday. I think I don't think his zip code is going to be <laughs> one in Portland when it's all said and done. I think he's on the move, yeah. uh, which is probably annoying to him, a player of his caliber. But he's well compensated. Yeah. He's earned that compensation. I want to make that perfectly clear. Yeah. And he'll be just fine wherever he lands at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's this kind of thing where I'm a bit tired. And I'm old school of players dictating where they want to be traded to. I think there's a huge difference between, hey, I'm not happy here, I want to be traded, versus I'm not happy here, I want to go to Miami mm-hmm. so I can play with my friends or mm-hmm. you know my colleagues, however you want to describe that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with someone wanting a certain destination as their employer, and certainly in a free agent mode, that's the way it works. But when you're under contract, and you demand a trade, and you have some leverage as a premier shooter and scorer in this league, I can understand somewhat you'd like to have an idea about where you're going to land, but I don't think the team has any obligation. 
mm-hmm. people were saying, hey, look, uh, Portland did him right. They traded him to a great team. What if they had traded him to the worst team in the league? He asked for a trade, you know, so he got his wish there. Well, not exactly, because now he's not playing where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. All this stuff gets sorted out. The bottom line is he's still going to be playing basketball and get, getting paid an enormous amount of money, and he'll be just fine. Yeah. But uh, it would have been interesting, perhaps, to see him in Miami. But no more so than Milwaukee. And I think Milwaukee is a better landing spot, actually. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Not dramatically better, though. I mean, they have yeah, I know, two but... really good players in Miami as yeah. far as Jimmy Butler and Bama Bio. So I, I'm i not convinced that there's a white year's worth of difference between Miami and Milwaukee. Milwaukee mm-hmm. would certainly have been one of the two or three teams favored to win the East this year mm-hmm. without Damon so we'll see what happens. But again, I get back to I'm just tired of people telling where they want to play. Yeah. Publicly. If That's, you want to have that conversation with your agent and perhaps the general manager it, that have it, you're it. currently playing for, have it. Have it. Or have at it. But Keep the lid on it. Keep but the lid in today's on world it. with social media, that's just not going to happen. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver uh, seems to be a head scratcher um, in terms of inactivity, so to speak, uh, regarding. Uh, Houston Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I think you've questioned why hasn't something been done or why is uh, Porter Jr. has not been suspended by the NBA. Of course, this, this is for the uh, uh, the alleged he's accused of strangling and just a brutal assault on his girlfriend, beating yeah. in, of his girlfriend in a Manhattan hotel room. So what's uh, what's the latest there? Well, I I, I am. An, a staunch advocate for domestic violence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. prevention. Mm-hmm. The month of October, which is what, just a couple of days away now, mm-hmm. will be Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I think we should have 12 months a year, not one. But Absolutely. for those who, who for those who recognize the severity of the plague that is domestic violence, they do have a year-round approach to it. I understand due process is important. And I understand everyone has rights, and I also understand there's liability. But what I don't understand is why the NBA has gone silent on this. This It's better than two weeks now. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, hey, it's the offseason. I think this young man should be suspended from any league activity, meaning he can't work out at the training center that the Rockets use. He can't play in exhibition games. He cannot go to training camp until this is resolved. Even if it it goes over into the regular season, so be it. So be it. But this is not an isolated incident, Danny. It's not that, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, this... I mean, my understanding is even the way his contract was uh, was drafted or constructed. He's had problems historically with behavior. I'm behavior, not, yeah. I'm not going to make him a poster child for domestic violence offenders. I know he was allegedly accused. Mm-hmm. Not, he was accused of allegedly striking a woman in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't that nothing came of that. So it's possible he was totally innocent in that sense. He's had some in his history as a an adult. Yeah, I'm talking collegiate forward. Collegiate uh, forward, yeah, problems yeah, I mean, there. Eighteen and older. Because today, when people say adult, you know, there's various de- definitions mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a brush with a marijuana and gun charge thing. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he is abusing women. That means he's smoking marijuana, perhaps, or perhaps was in possession of a firearm. That too never became a conviction. Yeah. So, what about the locker room uh, uh, alleged assault on the coach? Well, there you have something that you can sink your teeth into, I guess. Yeah, there's more, I guess there's the more. biggest thing is I, I don't understand why they can't just say, look, 
zero tolerance. We're going to suspend you. Mm-hmm. If this pans out, you're innocent. You can be paid retrospectively. The players' union is going to have a say on, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You're suspending our guy and not paying him. Yeah. We're filing a grievance. And they would probably win that grievance in an arbitration mm-hmm. as far as the due process having not unfolded. But this woman was beaten badly. She's got some broken bones in her back. Uh, her face was pummeled. Uh I can read a police report. Now, that doesn't tell me everything as far as who the assailant was, but it's pretty clear that they had a close relationship, and it's pretty clear he's been volatile historically. Now, does that mean he's guilty of everything he is being accused of? No, it does not. And that's why our legal system is important. I want the same protection that he would be seeking as far as my side of the story being told. But there is no side of the story when domestic violence occurs. It's a crime. And it's a plague in our society. And I will say this. I've always admired Jeff Van Gundy uh, as a basketball coach and an analyst. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's currently a free agent after ESPN made some changes in their line- yeah. announcer lineups. But mm-hmm. he wants – and I ask him this question because I know he's an advocate for domestic violence prevention and awareness. I said, Coach, what do you think the penalty should be? And this – he went on to talk to much bigger publications about it, and it became publicized. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have a breaking story here, but he said, the first offense, you should be suspended for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. So that means if you're caught or guilty of that in training camp, you miss the whole year. If it's halfway, you miss the rest of the year, whatever. Mm-hmm. He said, second offense, you're banned from the league. I said, whoa. Mm-hmm. And that caught my eye and my ear. And I tend to agree with that approach. Again, I'm not the... Hello? I just, I just think that's a terrible thing, and um, you know, I, I wish this woman nothing but good things. Hopefully, she's never in the vicinity of this gentleman again, and hopefully, he can get some help too in terms of, of therapeutic help uh, as far as mental health is concerned. And uh, this doesn't happen again. But in the short time we've been on the phone, some woman has been beaten in this country. We don't know, and it's more than likely it was a spouse, and it could have occurred in front of her children, which is why I always say. Please support the Julian Center here locally. They do wonderful work or any domestic violence shelter of your choice yeah. if it's not going to be the, the Julian Center. Jeff, go ahead. You have a question for uh, Danny regarding. Oh, we haven't talked about this guy for a minute, Danny. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, Danny? How you doing, Julian? Yeah. Jeff, welcome back. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Okay. Yep. What's the deal with JT? Is he staying or is he going? Well, and right now, in your estimation, who is the strongest, the AFC or the NFC? Mm. Well, to the first point, Dan Graziano of ESPN, who has been a beat writer for numerous publications in this country before taking his job with ESPN, today stated that his sources tell him that Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to play here anymore. And if that is the case, the Colts have got some work to do. Two things have to happen. He can come off the physically unable to perform list after four games. This is the fourth week this week against the Rams. He could be in practice as early as next week if he's ready to go, passes the physical, the green light. If that's not done by the sixth week of the season, then the provisions within the collective bargaining agreement as well as his own contract will activate his contract for next year which is not what he wants at all because he'll be under a similar salary scale. He wants a big raise, so you don't get that by allowing a contract clause to kick in, which will keep you at your current rate. 
is he going to be traded by October 31st? I think it's the Colts' best interest to do that if he doesn't want to be here. And that's the key. This thing is salvageable. If Jonathan Taylor can get out there and be productive and show that, that ankle is healthy, he has a market value, not only to his current employer, but to other teams as well. So that's how that's going to play out as to what happens when. Your guess is as good as mine. As far as the AFC versus NFC, just this is just a small sample size. I mean, you look at Philadelphia, they're strong. Obviously, I, I, I'm impressed by the fact they lost seven starters to free agency, and they're still playing awfully good football. I think San Francisco is going to be heard from as well in the NFC. The AFC is a bit of a wild card, no pun intended. I mean, I look at Miami and how prolific they've been offensively. You know, can they maintain a high-scoring regime along with an improved defense? I like their coach a lot. Certainly, I think the usual suspects, Kansas City and Buffalo, will have a say in it. I don't know. That's a straightforward question. I'm going to, I'm going to simply say they're fairly even. I don't see any team right now, maybe other than Philadelphia, Kansas City perhaps, as, hey, how are we going to handle these guys? So. I think things are relatively even, Stephen, at this point, Jeff. And uh, it seems like Cincinnati and Denver, both those spread are taking a bit of a – well, Denver is horrible at this point in time. But what's going on with Joe Burrows and uh, the, the Bengals? You think, uh, you know, are they just have it coming out of a bad start? You think they might finish strong, or you just think maybe – Well, he's, his, everything about Joe Burrow and everything about the Cincinnati Bengals hinges on one thing right now, the health. Yeah, I don't think Joe's not healthy. He his calf, his calf is not right. Yeah. How much time does he need for it to fully heal? Mm-hmm. How many games will he miss doing such? You heard him in the postgame presser say, look, I know I could have set out, but I was more concerned about being 0-3 than I was my calf. He was concerned they couldn't win the game without him. Now, that doesn't no. say a whole heck of a lot about his, his backup and the rest of the team, but the point was, he played well enough to get them to a victory. It was a close ball game, as you mm-hmm. noticed. But mm-hmm. he the Rams. A, yeah, he's he's the real deal when he's healthy, but he's not 100% healthy right now. And a calf injury mm-hmm. doesn't get any better with you out there running on it, pivoting on it, stopping and going, exposing yourself to AstroTurf, the whole bit. So that's a huge question mark for the Cincinnati Bengals because without him, they're just another football team in the hunt. They are not one of the upper mm-hmm. echelon teams without that guy. Okay, and uh, the Denver Broncos. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough story. I didn't expect the hiring of Sean Payton to turn things around. You're, he's going to have to retool that team with players that he wants as opposed to some of the players he inherited. The Russell Wilson thing, I, still, I think the jury's still out. Sean Payton is a very tough, hard-nosed guy. He wants things done a certain way. He has his system. That may or may not be the Russell Wilson's liking. We're going to find out more, but it's been a really tough start for Denver. I thought they would be competitive with Peyton. On the other hand, Sean Peyton doesn't make tackles. He doesn't line up at linebacker. He doesn't line up at safety. He's not a quarterback. So it's a matter of he and his staff, you know, putting their will, you know, toward the players that he has. And they don't have a great roster. It's not the worst roster in the league, but they're, uh, they're in a bad spot right now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how well they bounce back their next and football my last, And my last question is, and I, I want to see how much credence you get to this. You know, I'm a diehard Washington fan. Supposedly there's a petition out there by a Native American group saying that they want their, their old <laughs> name back. Do you give a lot of credence to that, or you just think? Well, I can't imagine that, that when there was such an outcry to get rid of it. But Yeah, Native Americans know, not wanting I think, it. Yeah. I think they've turned the page. And I would hope that 
there would be nothing uh, that would lead them down that path. It was it was a very uh, that got ugly as far as that going away and what what it took to get it to go away. So I can't see anything ever you know reinstating that. But at this point in my life, I've seen so many things I didn't think would happen. I guess you can't cross it off the list. Don't well, know that think, And like, how much you think the Daniel Snyder episode played a part in that? And I'll get well, off the phone. That didn't play a part in anything good. But before you get off the phone, something I think, uh, well, he, he's gone now. He can still hear us, hopefully. Yeah. I kind of <laughs> like his Washington Commanders an eight and a half points against the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. I, I kind of think that might be the. the you the you what? You what? You want the Commanders against the Eagles? I said I like him with the points. From I like him with the points. Okay, from a I'm not Philadelphia won't beat him, but Washington could hang around that ball game and make it interesting enough to, to where the eight and a half points pays the handicapper. So time will tell. Time will tell. All righty, what did we miss, Danny, before we have to let you go? Well, Doug Bowles announced the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the worst kept secret in auto racing from an app. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah, that, that was blowing up re- on the phone. Yeah. That they're, go- they're going to return to the Oval next year with the Brickyards to the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. of the first race. And uh, Doug's got a full calendar right now. He's got a uh, he's got a dirt track race this weekend. He's announcing the Brickyard. And Doug uh, does a nice job of navigating a very, very busy calendar at IMS. And I got a chance. This past weekend, to go out and see yet another event at IMS, which was the NXG Racers with Rod Reed. Okay, okay. Even the Youth of America a chance to understand how motorsports works, not only driving go-karts, but creating opportunities in marketing and other aspects of auto racing where people can pursue a career. And Miles Rowe, the, the freshly off his championship at USF 2000, was out there as a driver, coach, and mentor. It was okay. good to be around a lot of young people who were enthused about motorsports. I had a heck of a good time, and I want to thank Rod for inviting me out. All righty. Well, thank you, Danny, for, for coming out with us, and we look forward to what we have next week. Go Colts. Hey. And remember, not to forget about Bridge to Access. That's important to your listeners. Bridge to Access, indeed. We'll make sure we have it on there. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate you. And that's all the time we have for right now for Community Connection. Uh, we will be back this time tomorrow. Until then... Everybody be safe and be well. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. I'm Tina Cosby, and this is Community Connection.